Hi, my name is Ornith Ansbro. I'm standing in for Deborah Khan today. I'm excited to tell you that today we're going to talk about how depression ages the brain. We have Dr. Daria Gaysina with us from University of Sussex. Um, she's an expert in developmental psychology and also how different psychological disorders can affect aging and affect the brain. Thank you so much for being with us, Dr. Gaysina. Uh, hello everyone. So I know it's a different time of the day, maybe for all of you. So and I'm really pleased to join you for this discussion around this exciting topic uh, about the depression and how depression can affect our health and aging. So let's start off with the study that you conducted recently on. Um, it was taking, I think, 34 different studies and looking at the trends and trying to understand what is the link between depression and dementia. Can you tell us what you found? Yes, so actually the rationale for conducting this study was that it uh, has previously been known that the depression and dementia are related. Particularly, this has been shown in older adults. So older adults with the symptoms or disorder of depression are uh, are shown to be at increased risk of developing dementia and Alzheimer's disease in particular. So, and however, less is known about how depression may affect cognitive aging, brain aging in the normal population and the population that is free uh, of dementia or Alzheimer's disease. That was the main rationale. We wanted to see whether depression can also predict how fast our brain ages or how fast our cognitive function can decline because age is a major risk factor for cognitive aging so we all uh, have the decrease in our cognitive function as we age so by cognitive function i mean our ability to concentrate to focus on the particular tasks uh, to uh, remember certain events or words so like our memory our concentration can be impaired with age and also executive function, so our uh, ability to make the decisions about uh, everyday events or other things. So that's what we wanted to know. We wanted to know, find out, so what has already been studied in relation to uh, cognitive aging in people with uh, depression? So we conducted systematic literature review by looking across uh, different research databases and uh, using a set of criteria, identifying studies that addressed or tried to address this important question. So we looked across uh, 25,000 different studies and we identified 34 studies altogether that uh, either measured depression at the baseline as a disorder or measured the symptoms of depression also as the baseline. By baseline, I mean time one. And then we also uh, looked at the outcomes that the studies reported on. So and the outcomes was decline in cognitive state. Cognitive state is like an overall cognitive function. So that uh, can include memory, concentration, attention, decision-making, various things. And it's known with the age, so all this function, as I just mentioned briefly, can decline. So what we found across, uh, by combining the evidence from uh, 34 studies in a, in a, using the specific statistical tools, we found the evidence that uh, if the person experienced depression at time one, so across the period of the following years, and the average period was about six years, 
So there is a decrease in the cognitive uh, state, and it's faster decrease. It's approximately 35% faster than for the person without depression at this baseline of time one. So we, we also showed... We also showed that it's not only clinically diagnosed depression that uh, puts the people at the increased risk of the cognitive decline, or faster cognitive decline, we should say, but also the depressive symptoms. So even if the person doesn't, uh, doesn't have the clinically diagnosed disorder of depression, but have the increased level of the depressive symptoms, it also uh, represents a risk factor for uh, faster cognitive decline. So were you able to, um, I think the big question is always, um, is cognitive decline causing people to feel depressed or is having depression actually speeding up the aging of the brain? Were you able to understand what, or shed any light on whether it's depression that's causing the cognitive decline or the other way around? You're absolutely right. It's it's called the chicken or egg problem. It's very difficult to actually to uh, find the direction in which this link operates. And it could be, as you absolutely uh, correctly pointed out, it could be that depression accelerates the cognitive aging. It could be that our brain age and it's itself is a risk factor for developing depression. So I think these two uh, processes are not mutually exclusive. I think it could this link could operate in both ways. What we also need to be in mind that it could be that there is a third factor. So that could lead to both to the developing depression and also at the same time to uh, to impaired cognitive function and faster cognitive decline as well. So it could be something else and unre related to both of these independently. For and example, can you, stress. Can you for tell example, I'm oh, sorry. Yeah. For uh, example, stress. The um, stress could pose the risk for both for our. Uh, mental health and for our cognitive health and for physical health as well. And can you tell us what is happening in the brain when someone is depressed? What are the changes that occur? Yes, so first of all, maybe we should say what the dep what depression is because many of us experience uh, the periods of low mood. Does it actually mean that we are depressed? So depression is one of the main symptoms of depression is the low mood. So you may uh, also feel hopeless, hope, hopelessness, or you may lose interest in the things that you're normally very interested in, like uh, meeting with friends or going for a walk, spending time uh, engaging in the different kind of activities. This is these are three main symptoms or signs of depression. And if you experience them for a long time, which by long time I mean like weeks or months, it's a sign that you may have the depression. There are also different symptoms that people can experience and it varies from a one person to another. There are some physical symptoms that people can experience like loss of concentration, loss of energy, uh, impairment with the uh, pain, uh, like loss of appetite or maybe there are problems with the sleep. There are also some psychological symptoms such as, uh, for example, uh, inability to, uh, to perform specific tasks, work-related or family-related tasks. So there are different things that could be impaired and it, they may vary from person to person. 
So in relation to the brain, so these changes can be signs that something is wrong with your brain as well. So, and what, but it's again, it's very difficult to say in whether it's depression that uh, damages our brain or whether some underlying processes in the brain that can actually put the people at the risk of experiencing these symptoms. So, but what the research has shown, not the research of my group, but the research of many other uh, labs in the world, is that um, there is this, there are certain regions of the brain that are particularly affected in people with depression. One of these regions, so and two of these regions, I think have the most evidence up to date. One of these regions is called amygdala. This is the region that is particularly important in regulating in, in, uh, for regulation of our mood. And the second region I think is particularly interested in a relation to our question about depression and cognitive uh, decline is hippocampus, because this is the region that plays an, a particularly important role in storing our memories. And uh, that's what most of the research in relation to depression suggests Then, when you're depressed, it's more likely that you have impairment in your like in the, your uh, ability to regulate your mood, but also you have the ability with many cognitive functions, including memory, that could be directly linked to the uh, this area of the brain, hippocampus. And what is known is that this, if you experience uh, depre depressive symptoms or depression for a prolonged period of time, it could also be stressed. You're not depressed, but you're stressed all the time. Uh, so it's called chronic stress this area of the brain can shrink, it becomes smaller. So it becomes less efficient in uh, performing the specific task that is designed for, like remembering events and remembering wow. names, for example. Yeah. So that's okay. one of the possible biological mechanisms that may underline the link between depression and the cognitive uh, disability or dementia. So we just we have one question coming in from a viewer and this is something that we've seen a lot from uh different research and hearing from caregivers especially um is that often alzheimer's or dementia is mistaken for depression or vice versa so the question is how can you tell if an older loved one is just suffering from depression or if they are in the early stages of the disease yes so i think the only possibility to actually to uh, distinguish between these two, particularly in older adults, it's uh, seek for professional help. So talk to your GP or family doctor to find out more. There, there are specific like diagnostic tools that could be used to actually to identify. And I think to identify and to targeting either of these or both, maybe it's very important preventive measure. So you can definitely improve the symptoms of depression with, say, uh, cognitive behavioral therapy or in some uh, uh, situations with this medical treatment such as uh, antidepressants. And it could definitely it could improve the memory function as well in many older patients. It could be either one or another. It could be both. So that's why it's important to ask for the professional advice and uh, seek professional help if necessary. And there, we also have some questions about what can people be predisposed to depression? So is there a biological basis for it? Could they be genetically predisposed? Yes, that's a very good question because the particularly recent research does suggest that there is a, a genetic 
uh, predisposition to depression. So it's uh, and the consensus uh, among researchers, it's 50% of genetic factors and 50% of environmental factors in relation to depression. It could be higher for other conditions. For depression, it's normally 50-50, so half-half. So what does it mean? But I think that people uh, often misunderstand when we say there is a genetic reason for depression. It's not a genetic cause for depression. We're talking about genetic predisposition or, uh, or genetic risk for depression. Risk means it could uh, put the person in the particularly vulnerable position to develop depression, but it's, this risk is not unavoidable. So if you're at risk for depression, if you're at genetic risk for depression, it doesn't necessarily mean that you will develop depression. So this will depend on multiple other factors, environmental factors, social factors as well. Not only, uh, uh, it will not only depend on your genetic risk factors. There are probably multiple genes, like thousands of genes that could contribute to the increased risk of depression. And each of these genetic variant will only play a very small role in this uh, risk, will contribute very small proportion to this risk. So you might have the multiple genetic risk markers. In combination, they will increase uh, your predisposition to depression, your risk to depression, in a, in a small proportion, but it's basically all depends uh, on your environment, whether having this genetic predisposition to depression, you will develop depression or you will be fine. So that's, it's very important, the message here. So even if you have the history, family history of depression, you shouldn't just say, oh, I will depression, I will develop depression at some point in my life. Yes, you are at increased risk if you have the family history of depression, but the risk is not unavoidable. So there are multiple ways that you can use to look after mental health, to improve your mental health and to actually protect yourself uh, against cognitive decline. So uh, I want to ask you about those ways because a lot of our viewers tend to be caregivers. They tend to be in very stressful situations. Um, but just before we jump into that, what are the factors that you've identified that aren't biological or genetic, uh, more environmental factors uh, that will um, predispose someone uh, towards depression? So it's very tricky when if we want to talk about genetic factors for depression, because as I said, there is no single factor that will uh, define whether the person develops depression or not. So researchers just started to identify the factors that have the tiny contribution to depression. And as I said, there will be thousands of these factors. So even if you have one, two or three factors like this, it's it's very small risk in relation to depression. So we have to wait wait and see how many more factors people will be able to identify and how in combination in the future, we can use this information to predict uh, the risk for depression in the individual people. So for now, there is no genetic uh, tool that, there, that could be used to uh, identify the risk for depression on the genetic scale. But yes, so there are a lot of environmental factors that have been uh, looked at and identifies the risk factors for depression. So I think that these factors can vary. The most, I think, see, uh, serious and strong risk factor for depression is the continuous stress, as you can correctly pointed out before. So chronic stress is a very bad for is very bad uh, factor for for many different. Uh, 
mental, physical, cognitive health problems. So we, uh, because why it's like this? Because our body is actually, uh, our bodies are designed to deal with the stress uh, if it's uh, within the very short period of time. So we all experienced uh, stress in our everyday life. So this, for example, public speaking is a very stressful because uh, evolutionary we are not designed to be exposed to other people. We want to hide and see how the situation develops. And but then after the certain time, I I speak to you. I see you're not going to attack me. You're kind. You're friendly. So my body relaxes. So at the first moment of the stress, the body, uh, the body of the brain sends the signal to the body to make bodies prepared for the for the fight or flight situation. So whether you, uh, and it's very good actually for us because we perform better under the conditions of the uh, short term stress. However, if we experience stress all the time and the brain see, uh, signals to our body that there is stress, there is stress, there is stress, our body becomes unbalanced. There is specific stress hormone that uh, regulates how we react to the stress. And in the certain situations when we are under the chronic stress, this uh, hormone cannot signal effectively to our, our um, brain and to other uh, systems in our body, and the whole body becomes imbalanced, and it's very bad. And, it, and there are certain techniques that can help us to get back to normal, like, for example, medi meditation and mindfulness techniques are known to be very good to actually to deal with the stress. They work for some people, they may not work for everyone, Another uh, very quite strong evidence in the literature suggests that physical activity, uh, the moderate level but regular level, is if you do ex if you if you can exercise, do exercise moderately but regularly. This is very good for all systems of our body. It's good for our brain. It's good for our mood. It's very good for our cognitive function. It's again so it may work for some people. It may not work for other people. So you need to find the way that you can relax and actually maybe like relax your brain, relax your body, think about something positive if possible. So find time for yourself, find time for your friends and family, because loneliness is again, it's all in the media right now. So loneliness is very bad for our health, for our, for our mental health, but for our, also our mental health. So there's another question. Um, I think that will probably resonate with a lot of people watching, but also I think they find it difficult to make that time. Um, and there's also a question about medication. So is it worth turning to medication that could help with depressive symptoms? Um, would it offset the potential damage to the brain? It's, it's again, so I think this topic needs whether you need antidepressants or not this is the topic to be discussed with the medical professionals because it's in different situations and the diff there are a whole variety of medications available so you don't make the decision on your own so also the medical professionals may advise you to for example try different uh therapies first there are behavioral cognitive behavioral therapies that could work for certain people so it's not all this that you prescribe the medication straight away there are other techniques that could be used to help to deal with the stress and depression first and then in certain situation and the, uh, usually in, if the depression uh, is very severe 
and persistence, so then the medications may be required. Yeah, so um, as I think with other medications, there are side effects. Whatever medication, we could, whatever drug we, we take, there will be some side effects. So that's why it's all this, like for the, for the medical professional, for the doctor, it's all this to weight the pros and cons. So, but antidepressants are known to reverse some of the uh, negative effects on the brain as well. For example, if we're under the constant stress and the, our brains, brains start to shrink, so there are certain uh, medications, antidepressants, that can uh, stop and even reverse this process. They can help our brains to cope with the constant stress and depression. So medication is not, it's definitely not bad. And for some people, it's the only way uh, to actually to get better. I'm really sorry, it's our fire, fire alarm goes on. That's okay. Uh, it's it's just things arising. Um, so I have one, uh, a few final questions. Um, you mentioned depression and you also mentioned depressive symptoms. We talked a little bit about what they are. Um, when when should someone be worried? When should they? When is the time when they should be thinking? Okay, I need to go and talk to my doctor about this. Because we so all have different, different, right? So our body will start signaling about something is wrong to you. As I said, there are multiple symptoms and probably I haven't mentioned all of them here. But if you experience low mood and hopelessness for, I would say, for a few weeks or months, and plus you can identify some of the other phys uh, physical or psychological symptoms, that we're not with you all the time. For example, the, your anxiety level or fear level can increase. And you, for example, struggle to perform everyday tasks, like you may underperform at work, you may really struggle to deal with your family situation. That's the time when you have to seek for a professional help. Talk to your doctor, talk to your family doctor or GP to find out more about what the what help is available for you because it's never too late to look after mental health and there is no help without mental health um and to to go back to meditation that's something that i think more and more research is being done on the effects of meditation can you tell us a bit about what um has been observed in the brain of people who've meditated or um a bit about how symptoms of depression or stress might be um, uh, mitigated a bit when someone is meditating? I should admit I'm not that uh, familiar with this area. So what I know about uh, the meditation, what is in terms of particularly on the effects on the brain, but what I I am uh, aware of from the recent literature, it does help the meditation show, uh, is shown to help to deal with the uh, symptoms some of the particularly light or moderate symptoms of depression for actually uh, for helping body to actually relax a bit more. So the level of the stress hormone decreases. That stress hormone, which is called cortisol, it decreases. It stops signaling uh, our brain that we're stressed, we're stressed, we're stressed. So that's definitely helpful for the like for the general health and for the mental health as well. So what also happens, it's shown positive effects on our uh, immune system as well. So it's another system which can signal our brain that something is wrong and we 
under the stress situation in particular. So, and both, I think, the neural and neural and hormonal regulations uh, become more balanced if we do meditation regularly. But again, as I said, it's probably not a panacea for, for everyone. So, but if you in this thing, it's a good for your health. And that's what probably many people who, who are used to meditation will tell you. So just help you with to deal with everyday stress. Great, thank you. And actually we have one final question from one of our listeners um, about what does the research say about how treating depression might lower Alzheimer's risk? Because there are some studies that have shown a decreased risk of Alzheimer's when depression is treated. How, what would you say? To that. Yeah, so I would say it's it's yeah it's definitely the case. That's why we urge to look for the signs of the depression uh, as early as possible. So because most of the research so far on looking at the, how depression is linked to uh, cognitive decline and dementia has been conducted in older adults. So, but it's definitely what our most recent research that hasn't been published yet suggests that actually it's the symptoms of depression that start much early in the life course may affect our cognitive function also much early in the life course. So probably looking at a population which is uh, age 60 or above is already too late to pick up this critical period when our cognitive function started to decline and start to decline much faster in those with depression. So, and that's, I think, when we can prevent depression, it's great for our health, physical and cognitive health. Even if we cannot prevent depression, if it's not possible, it's important to actually start treatment as early as possible, deal with depression as early as possible with the cognitive behavioral therapy, with the uh, drug medication. So any of these interventions can be good for physical and cognitive health in the long term. Okay, thank you so much for joining us. Oh wait, we got one more question. So you said depression already impacts cognitive function earlier. What might that look like practically? So I think that's another question about, well, what are the signs yeah. that your cognitive so function? So one of the, because many signs of the depression are related to our cognitive abilities, including, uh, for example, loss of the concentration. That's one of the signs that if you uh, observe it, it's something to tell you that you may be depressed. And the memory, it's rare, and normally it's the later stages, but the memory can also be impaired. But as someone pointed out, so once you start treating depression, some of the symptoms will disappear as well. But if the depression uh, remains untreated, the symptoms can actually worsen and can lead to faster cognitive decline, even much earlier in the life course. And are you thinking, um, is that a is that a structure is that a change in the brain, or is it just um, it's not working as well because of the of the low mood yeah. and it's easy to reverse? Yeah, so it's you're absolutely right. There, there are observable changes in the brain structure, and there are also observable changes in the brain function for people with depression. And some of these changes may be just temporary changes, and once you're back to normal, that this the brain areas will start functioning normally and will look normally as well that there might be some changes that are not uh, actually uh, that cannot be reversed anymore that's why it's important the earlier you start treating depression the, the uh, better effect in terms of the brain it may, it will also have and the brain the, the better effect will be in terms of the cognitive function late in the life course
And is that going back to the idea of uh, neuroplasticity, which is that yes, the brain actually change? Yeah, different. Our brains have enormous plasticity. So whatever we can do to help our brain return to normal, it's all like positive effects of the physical exercise have been uh, observed in animal models. It's more difficult to do the experiments in, in humans. But yes, so after the prolonged stress, if the uh, animals were uh, made to exercise regularly, the researchers saw the uh, reversible effects, positive reversible effects on the brain, on, on these mice and rats. So it sounds like the main message is that um, if you're experiencing depression, it could have an effect on your ability, uh, your cognitive abilities actually right now. And it could also um, higher your risk of getting some dementia later on. But if, you're inter if you actually intervene early on and start taking positive steps, then mm -hmm. it's, you can actually lower your risk or return your brain to a state of yes. being. Yeah, definitely, yeah. So it's, as I said, Earlier, it's never too late to start looking after your mental health and to avoid these long-term negative outcomes. Fantastic. Okay. Thank you so much again for joining us. Uh, we This is Professor Daria Gaysina at the University of Sussex. Uh, we are talking about how depression ages the brain or affects the brain. Um, we will be posting this talk live. Thank you so much again. Thank you.